The master within a month gives you a name. The moment you have a name, when I became Katsura Sunshine, within a month of becoming an apprentice of my master, I suddenly have a license to call myself a professional storyteller. I haven't learned a story yet. I don't even know how to fold a kimono yet. But the master is saying, okay, like, here's your name. Here you are. You're a professional. Now learn. The, the moment you got that name, you've received something much more precious than three years of house cleaning can return. So it's almost like, no, no, three years of house cleaning and carrying bags is the least you can do for what you are receiving from the master. Now, I'm not with my master for one hour, three times a week. I'm with my master from morning to night, every day for three years, no days off. A lot of it is menial chores. A lot of it is helping him. But every minute is learning. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Now and Zen podcast. This is a show where we speak with fascinating folks who have an interesting and insightful Japan journey to share. It's savvy professionals from the arts, business, and culture. Yeah, the ABCs of all things Japan. We discuss and debate what it's like to live, work, and experience the most enigmatically exciting country in the world. Direct from Tokyo, this is the Now and Zen Podcast. Better sleep, better you. We all know sleep is important, and having a great mattress is paramount in achieving a deep sleep. This is where the Goo Goo Mattress Company comes in. Super comfortable, very affordable, and delivered to your home for free. Go to gugu.jp, read the many testimonials, and enter Zen in the promo box and receive a 20% discount. Learn more at gugu.jp and get ready for sweet dreams. Gugu, better sleep, better you. this episode, I sit down with the one and only Mr. Katsura Sunshine. Katsura Sunshine is the first ever Rakugo storyteller in over 100 years and only the second ever in the history of traditional Rakugo storytelling. Canadian by nationality, Katsura Sunshine explains his journey from playwright, composer, and producer of musical theater to becoming the 15th apprentice to the great Rakugo master Katsura Bunshi. He also shares his stories of performing Rakugo, Off-Broadway, and London's West End, his years as an apprentice, the challenges of being accepted into the Rakugo world, and toward the end of this podcast, gives us a traditional Rakugo story you will be sure to enjoy. This one is truly exceptional. If you're not yet a fan of Rakugo, you will be after listening to this episode with Katsura Sunshine. Katsura Sunshine. Yes. The king of kimono comedy. Welcome to the Now and Zen podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Now and Zen. Now and Zen. That's brilliant. <laughs> That's brilliant. Oh, well, thank you for, for taking time out of your very busy schedule. Yeah, only today. Only yeah. today. Well, you were supposed to be in New York City right now, right? I should off, be in New York right now, yep. Off Broadway. And obviously with this yep. COVID thing, you're not. Yeah. What's the plan going forward. We opened New World Stages, which is like right in the center of Broadway mm -hmm. in in New York in September of last year. And uh, the Broadway style, like the contract is, you know, you go three months and then if it's going well, the th you say to the theater, I want to do another three months or I want to do whatever and they'll extend you. 
So our first three months went great. We went a full six months until March when Broadway closed down. So all theaters shut down. However, before that happened, we were actually, the theater said, please continue until September, which means we would have been celebrating our one-year anniversary on Broadway in oh, September. So we're really, yeah. uh, we were really, we were going full, full speed ahead. Shows were going great. And I have three kimonos that are still in the dressing room of the New World Stages Theater. So they're bas- they they basically the theater's been incredible. They've they've been very very accommodating. This is this is what happens. You take the time off as soon as we start again. We want you to start again. So okay. we're back. So I'm just waiting for Broadway to come back. Now, when will it come back? It's not a question. Broadway has has said officially that they're not going to start until September. Okay. But that's September Labor Day. That's the date until which they will refund everybody's tickets. But that's not the date they're planning to restart. Right. The inside track is more like next year, January, yeah. anywhere from January to like spring. So you're People not losing thinking. out on your slot. No, very, very fortunate not to be losing out on my slot. I'm very fortunate to have run six months. Six months was more than anybody expected Rakugo to go anyway. So. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you. Your Rakugo performance was nominated for Best Unique Theatrical Experience for the 2020 Off-Broadway Alliance Awards. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. Very, very honored. I never thought we'd be nominated for something. That's like... Uh, did you win it? We did not. We oh, did not. Okay. We were nominated, so we got in the top four. Okay. Um, but another... Another and very deserving, apparently, production uh, won it. So, yeah, uh, you shouldn't win those things right off the bat. You no. Should, you should, or I feel like you I... Might get the, you might get the, the dreaded sophomore jinx. Yeah, 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 do yeah. Don't want, don't, don't want to go too far. The nomination was... But in terms of media and all that, like no, no, nomination was really good enough. It's sure. like nom- nomination gets you to here, and then... Yeah. It brings attention to it. And yeah. then people start to Google it. They start to yeah, research yeah, yeah. it. No, it's huge. Go, you know, it's huge. Cool. It's a huge honor. I was really... I was so happy... Wow. I didn't. I didn't think we'd we'd get anything like that. My my co-producer is also uh, does also does the publicity and the press and all that. And he would he would tell me, oh, there's what do you call like judges from different awards coming. The reviewer from the New York Times is coming tonight, right? Yeah. Oh, uh, next Thursday, judge from this this award. Like he would mention it, but I never thought they'd actually. So they would tell me. they would tell you beforehand before your performance that a certain influential reviewer is coming tonight. Well, just like reviewers, yeah. these judges are also invited, invited, courted, asked to come by Bribed. your... I don't know, for the off-Broadway awards, I don't think anybody's really got the budget to bribe anyone. But um, Yeah, we're trying... We as a team, I wasn't involved in that part of the production, but we as a team are inviting them to come. So when they say, yes, we'll come, I mean, they're obviously... They're not going to pay for tickets, so they right. say, I'm a judge for this, and I'm coming, and then... Uh, and so it didn't make you a little bit nervous? Or... Does not. No, okay. And actually, it was interesting, because my, my producing partner, his name is Joe Trentacosta. He's been a publicist on, on Broadway for the last 20 years. But he asked me, because I'm not just the producer, I'm the performer, and he said, you know, the different performers. Some performers do not want to know when reviewers are in or anything like that, just like right. don't say it. And then some people want to know everything, like which which are you, Sunshine? I just said like just tell me everything. I couldn't I don't care, but I want to know. Yeah. It's like the restaurant that's potentially going to get nominated for a Michelin star and they find out that the reviewer is coming that night and they make some kind of special over the top menu just for them or something like that. Yeah. But nothing changes. If a really important reviewer in the say New York Times yeah. or something like that 
you're going to want to make sure your seats are filled. And I think that, and I think the reviewers know that, that yeah. we call it papering the house. I mean, if you were sold out anyway, if it's opening night or something like that, you're going to be sold out anyway. But if it's a, if it's a, it's a slower, if it's a slower house and then, you know, a reviewer is coming, you may want to invite more people, but in terms of what I do on stage, nothing, nothing changes. Might make a joke about reviewers. <laughs> I mean, there is play, right? Well, that's, that's reading the air. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Reading the air. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Make a little bit of a joke. But other than that, you're not, 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 not really, it doesn't change anything wow. whatsoever. Yeah. Well, in Canada, you were a playwright and a composer of musical theater before coming to Japan. Yeah. And now you could be described as an international Rakugo ambassador. So how satisfying is it to combine these two things, this theatrical background, which obviously you love, Rakugo, which which you obviously love, and now you're on Off-Broadway. How wonderful is that? Yeah, it's incredible. It is incredible. When I was, when I was uh, producing and writing musicals in Toronto, obviously aiming for Broadway, mm-hmm. and I came to Japan, fell in love with Japan, and then I found Rakugo, and when I decided to become an apprentice, I thought, okay, let's like Broadway. It's like, forget Broadway. This is even better. Yeah. Because... If I was going to New York eventually and just like try to battle with all the playwrights, there's a lot of playwrights, a lot of composers, a lot yeah. of people making musicals, a lot of producers, all that. There's no, there's not one foreigner right. who's an actual professional rock and roll storyteller. There was one Australian a hundred years ago, died the same year as the Tokyo earthquake, 1923. And there's been nobody since. Wow. And he didn't so, die in the earthquake. He did not he? die in the earthquake. Okay. He died in Yokohama okay. of natural causes, but he, that's the year. Lyme disease. Could have been lime, could have been lemon. I'm not sure, <laughs> but it was something around along those lines. Um, it was a citrus fruit. Kind of, probably citrus, could have, could some have been kind of yuzu citrus. or sequasa. Yuzu. Maybe yuzu. Sequasa, sequasa disease. Kairakute Braku is his name. Well, if you, oh. But um, I gave up aiming for Broadway until I started performing abroad, and people were like eating this rakugo up at embassies and consulates of Japan in different countries, and then. I did a North American tour in 2013, but for the sh- for the final show, my brother and my best buddy from like before kindergarten, they rented the most beautiful theater I think in the world, but it's beautiful, most beautiful theater you can for sure. They rented a theater. They rented the Winter Garden Theater, it's a thousand seats for one night, and my my North American tour was went two months, 23 cities, like 40 shows. The last show was gonna be there, and the and Jerry. And Peter, my brother, they also sold it out. And they actually charged for tickets, like 50 bucks a ticket. They sold a thousand seats. Wow. Uh, how they did it. They should be your publicist, no? It was incredible. But <laughs> but that was the first time, like when you do it for the, in the embassies, the consulates, nobody's charging for tickets. So you don't know, like, are people, of course they're enjoying it, but sure. is this on the level of, of course I'm a professional, but they're looking at on level of a cultural presentation. Yeah. Uh, here, okay, people have paid real money. People have nothing to do with Japan. 90% of the audience was not Japanese and nothing to do with Japan. Just like, wow. Just like normal people. And they came and killed. Rakugo killed. I thought, okay, well, this is a perfect test case. We got to aim for Broadway. So that's when that idea was born. Of course, you can't aim for Broadway and go to Broadway the next week. It takes a long time. I always watch that show. I think it was on Saturday mornings. It was a show 10. Very, very popular. Huge ratings still. Now there's the point and there's the rub that is not rakugo that is seven or eight or how many ever they are yeah. rakugo professionals who are doing an art form which in japanese is called ogiri which means you've got five six seven eight whatever and one host 
mm-hmm. and the host will give out a word game or word play right. puzzle, and everybody will answer it in a humorous way. And so, and we do that to break up, like you get storyteller, storyteller, storyteller. To break it up, we'll often do that on stage with the other Rocco, if there's a few of us. Okay. We'll do it as a kind of fun thing, and the audiences love it. But that's just word games. But the actual right. Rocco performance is something very different. So seeing that, yeah. you're, you're, you're seeing Rocco storytellers. They're kneeling on a cushion and they're in their kimono, but they're not doing Rakugo on that show. And that's a big, that's a big uh, point. Thanks yeah. for that clarification. Yeah. Now, a lot of Japanese people think Rakugo, that's their image of Rakugo as well. So they know that that's not Rakugo, but they think that Rakugo depends a lot on wordplay because that show is all wordplay. That's the whole point of the show. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people, like a lot of my Japanese friends, at first, like, how are you going to translate Rakugo. Yeah. And if I was going to try to translate that show, they'd be absolutely right. There's no way you're going to translate all that wordplay into English and make it anything near. Yeah. It's funny. But the actual stories, the, what, what we do with the art form, which starts with a little bit of like stand-up comedy almost. Mm-hmm. It's an introduction. It's called the Makura, the pillow. It's a stand-up comedy. Stand-up comedy in that we're just warming up the audience with our own observational humor, maybe some cultural explanations. Of, of course, entertaining the audience at the same time as explaining relevant points of culture. And then the second half of the of one set is the story where I turn my head to the left, I play one character, I turn my head to the right, I play another character, and that story will end in a punchline. Like it's a kind of dramatic joke. That's the that's the set. So but all of that is very, very easily translatable. I do direct translation. I'm not screwing with the language at all i'm doing it when i'm doing it on broadway it's the same thing as my master's doing so you don't here. localize it at all for any foreign do not uh, like 99 percent non-localized i tried to localize it 10 years ago when i started i tried to localize a bit and audiences yeah. didn't like that audiences if you're gonna be like a canadian dressed up in a kimono pretend like purporting to bring this japanese art form and then you've localized it well i, I translate into english so that's the that's the localization but the actual, the rhythm, the the jokes, the characters, the language, everything is very, very direct translation. So even yeah. if there's a, maybe a question mark with the audience, they're like, okay, I guess I got to Google that after. But the fact that I didn't kind of recognize something is a sort of small certificate of authenticity. So they don't want Perfect. it. People are, audiences are very smart. Yeah. You, you shouldn't... Um, underestimate that and when they come to if they come if they just want to laugh they can go to stand-up comedy they came to see a guy to kimono for a reason right and uh so you need to need to be very faithful to that cool in rakugo there's a hierarchy yeah are there three ranks yes which rank are you yes so that's a great question the ranks are zenza which is apprenticeship okay and then futatsume which is between the apprenticeship and the master mm-hmm. being becoming a master and being able to get apprentices mm-hmm. You're no longer part of the apprenticeship period. Right. And then Shinichi is being a ma- is you're considered a master, you can take apprentices. Okay. So the reason I'm giving you this long explanation is because those stages, basically the apprenticeship is four years, and then and then Futatsume is another six to ten, depending on your on your association and your master and all that. Okay. And then after like between 10, 11 to 13 or 14 years, you become a Shinuchi and then you can take apprentices. You're considered a master. Those categories only exist in the Edo or Tokyo tradition. So I'm in the Osaka tradition where those were, those are not used. When you're, when you've stopped becoming, when you're, 
when you're finished your apprenticeship, you know, because your master said, okay, starting from tomorrow, I don't need you anymore. Get lost, yeah. basically. There's no graduation ceremony. It's like, starting tomorrow, get lost. Come at Christmas, whatever. <laughs> Anticlimactic. Yeah, no, no, no. It's like, no, no. It's like, freedom. <laughs> okay. No, you don't, you don't even, you don't need anything more than those words. Like, I don't need you from tomorrow. It's like, oh my God. Come on. Like, have you ever been in prison? Like, I think that's what it's like, <laughs> what it feels like. That's what one of my... One of my friends was a rock storyteller. Just as I became an apprentice, he said, look, just think of it as prison because that's basically what it feels like for, for three or four years. Except for the food's probably better. No, I don't want to compare it to prison. But the, the psychological feeling, right? The food's incredible. <laughs> Especially when too. you're dining with your master. No, you're absolutely right. So I, would, I think I'm a master. I've been now in my 13th year. So basically along that scale, okay. I would be a shisho or a master. People are starting to call me shisho or master, but it's, it's a little bit less clear cut in Osaka. You don't really know. But I think if an apprentice wanted to become, or if someone wanted to become my apprentice, yes. I would, at, at this point where it's not yet quite clear cut whether I'm a master or not, I would go to my master and mm-hmm. say, shisho, this person is ask me to become an apprentice what do you think right. Right. and then he would probably say oh yeah take take him or take her yeah but he'd also give you advice and maybe when i gave them a name i probably should consult with him first instead of just think of one of my own that kind of thing uh-huh. maybe introduce that person to my master a couple times and then even though the even though my master said yes i should probably check back like two or three more times to make sure that it wasn't just a whim of the mood because you never know. That opinion could change. But if you confirm like three or four times, you know how it right. is, right? Nemawashi yes. in Japanese. So yeah. just make sure. Consensus building. Make sure we get the consensus is real. It wasn't just the moment. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Like, if, especially if we were in front of other people, my master would be inclined to say yes. But in, in fact, there, there could be oh, there's so many different things. So sure. nobody's asked me to become a, an apprentice yet. But I think at this point, my master would probably say, yeah, 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 I do see. it. What happens if, if you do kind of flop? Yeah, it's hard to say what a flop is because what I mean is that you're not getting the the reaction that you, that normal crowds get. I mean, I know that every night the crowd is a little bit different, but have you ever had those nights where No, it's, it's quiet like, crowds, even on Broadway, yeah. Yeah. Quiet crowds. But that's what I mean by a flop. I totally I totally understand the question. However, Rakugo, unlike stand-up comedy or something like that, it's it's it, and you maybe see from the videos, but it's not a laugh a minute. It's like no. I'm I'm like talking a lot before right. like there's this there's a storytelling element to it where a lot of times people sit through it and not really laugh too much and then and then leave. And I see the audience out every day. So sure. I know what the audience actually thought of it because people stay out stay behind and talk to me. Interesting. People that didn't yeah. like the show probably leave. They don't they like, I hated it. Right? Nobody says that. Yeah. But but I, I don't feel like just because people are not laughing as loud as like a, an audience as, as I would want, yeah. that that's necessarily a, f- a flop. Yeah. It's um, That's one of the beauties of Rakugo because it's storytelling. Like just have I brought them into that world? Have I taught them something about Japan? There's a lot of elements plus the laughter. That's an excellent point. Seeing the audience off, isn't that a tradition of Rakugo? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Very much so. In fact, in the smaller... When we're doing our smaller shows, our own shows in Japan, mm-hmm. we're actually at the gate selling the tickets. No kidding. Before the show in oh. Yukata. Uh-huh. 
in the summer kimono, the yukata, and like when they when you have the Jordans on, when you yeah. have like people, ah, oh, Mr. Tanaka, thank you for coming yeah. every month, and yeah. oh, I actually have a ten degree for you, right? Like something like that, or uh-huh. maybe he bought a season ticket or something like that, yeah. or greeting, and then let's say two, three of us are on board to go on. Maybe five minutes before, one of the one of the guys will say, okay, I gotta go back and change, yeah. and then they're coming up on stage. Certainly, seeing the audience out is. Very much part of the tradition of Rocco. Oh, I love that. I love yeah. that. I love bringing that to yeah. um, the Broadway stage. People love meeting and taking pictures after. So it's oh, great. I bet. Yeah. Do they sometimes like make requests to you? They see you. They go, oh, do that one story about the such and such, and do that. I get that. That's a, that's a great question because some people say like you throw so much of your material up on YouTube. Doesn't that hurt the performance? But people heard it before, right? Right. But here's here's the thing. I I thought the same thing, but you know. I thought you number one. You just gotta throw your best stuff on YouTube because that's it's huge. So you just gotta do it. Here's the thing. So I've got some some material that's on like several videos on YouTube. Sure. Not just one. I've thrown it up a few times. A lot of people have seen this, and I I'll go and perform, and you, you kind of see you kind of see the audience on my Broadway stage. It's a little bit tough to see the audience because of lights, but a lot of the stages you can see the audience. And and here's the reaction. I'm talking, and I'm getting into this one that has been on YouTube like three times that everybody knows. Yeah. And I'll see a few people in the audience turn to their neighbor and and touch them on the shoulder and say, this is the one I really love. This is the one I really love. Listen, listen, this is really funny. A lot of people want to hear the ones they heard on YouTube. So yeah. it's actually, it doesn't hurt you to have that stuff out there. Sure. No, nothing yeah. wrong So that. it's kind of like going to a Rolling Stones concert. And when the intro to Gimme Shelter comes on, everybody knows that it's about ready to start their favorite song. So they kind of like tap each other. Oh, here it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Looking like forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, that is something that was very unexpected for me because I thought like point of comedy is you're, you're ending with something unexpected. And that's why yeah. people laugh. But um, I think there is something. But for me too... When I'm thinking of like Dave Chappelle and Bill Burr, my favorite comedians, like if I ever saw them live, I really, I couldn't care less if I heard every minute before. I want to see that. I want to see that. Yeah. So I don't mind. That was one of the questions that I had, that if the audience has, because a lot of these stories, these Rakugo stories are passed down from generation to generation. And I think a lot of people already know them. So if they already know the punchline, what is it that they're going for? Is it the delivery? Is it for the presentation? Is Uh, it for the adaptation of the story? Yeah. That question is so right on the head that's exactly it and um when i was a rakugo fan before i became a professional storyteller before i started my apprenticeship i would prefer to hear a story that i knew like i wanted yeah i wanted to know this storyteller's take on that story that i know that's fun yeah it's more fun I think a lot of arts are like that. Like if you go to the mm-hmm. opera, you don't want to you don't want to go to the Met and hear some opera for the first time because there's just so much sure. stimulation. Like you want to know the opera inside out. That's much funner, yeah. much more fun. But then Rocco Story is a little bit like that. Like if you know the story and then like okay, what? How is this person going to do it? Because sure. everybody brings their own color to it. Now, if you want to go more extreme, I want to hear a storyteller I love do the story I love for the sixth time. Or seventh time, yeah. because I want to know how today's audience is going to react to it. Oh. That's also super fun, yeah. Because like you're there, like almost as an insider, like oh, I sure. know exactly where this is all going. And then you see people killing themselves laughing. Yeah. Even if you're not, even if you're sitting here for the seventh time, you're like you. It's like you ride their wave of laughter. It's, yeah. There's so much of a community spirit 
to the Rackle world and to and to listening to these yeah. things, which I'm sure also exists in stand-up comedy, I think. Like, people just build their own Probably. kind of communities, right? When you hear another Rakugo storyteller tell a story that you also tell, do you say, oh, that... I could tell this story better by doing what they just did right now, or totally. That's all. That's how we learn. Okay. We're we're we are from the very beginning. We are told to do a one hundred percent complete imitation of our master. Okay, that's where you start. Wouldn't copying or mastering word by word, action by action, your master also sort of be a form of a kata for? That's what yeah. Rakugo. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. That's exactly the point. Yeah. So we're told to. To imitate our master, then we then we perform the story in front of our master. If the master says, "Okay, that's fine, it's an acceptable level," yeah. then that's your story for life. You're allowed to do it until a master it doesn't have to be your master. Until someone says you got it, you can't do that. You're not actually supposed to be doing that story in front yeah. of people. Now, as soon as it's yours, then you change it, and and the masters even say like, change it, like figure out the way that it's make it yours, right? Right. That's from for generations. That's the way it's been passed down. But it starts with it starts with when do you look left? When do you look right? How do you move your hand to imitate the chopsticks? This it's all kata. It's all form. Like worry about the spirit of the character later. Mm-hmm. That'll come. Yeah. I remember when I was in university, I was studying down in Kyoto. Yeah. And we had to take a, a class on some Japanese arts. And so I chose uh, Shodo, Japanese calligraphy. Right. And first day, I mean, they taught you how to uh, rub the ink and, you know, prep your brush and all that. But then when you got down to writing, the first one letter that you have to master is one, which is basically a single stroke horizontally. Totally saw that coming. All day long, <laughs> all day long. Maybe you could adapt this to a Rakugo story. Yeah. So once you finally master one, the next one is two, two. which is basically two horizontal <laughs> stripes. You see where this is going. But they're different. It's In not length. two exact same. Yeah, <laughs> well, they're different. They're true, different. but for the novice, yeah, which yeah. I was, they're basically the same thing. And then there's three, which is now... Three horizontal, horizontal strokes. You know, I had these visions of writing like Bushido and Samurai. <laughs> but, uh, and, you know, and all this. I wanted Rose, to, you know. Yeah. So this this gets me into your apprenticeship. And it's a very, Such you a talk about it probably question. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know that it was three years. Yeah. yeah. And this is not just about Rakugo. I think this is about apprenticeships in Japan in general. Yeah. They make you do menial jobs, especially in the beginning. And what's the point of that? Is it to create a, a humble spirit or to weed out the pretenders? Or Why pick up his laundry and shine his shoes and pick up some beers from the convenience store? Yeah, that's that's a great question. I don't think... Anybody's thinking about weeding people out or anything like that. If I was to want to learn, let's say, violin or some other skill, piano or a language or something, the thinking is I'm going to go to my teacher for an hour, three times a week and pay them this much. Sure. With an apprenticeship is you're kind of giving, you're giving your life to this art form, basically, number one. Mm-hmm. The master, within a month, gives you a name. The moment you have a name, when I became Katsura Sunshine, within a month of becoming an apprentice of my master, 
I suddenly have a license to call myself a professional storyteller. I haven't learned a story yet. I don't even know how to fold a kimono yet. But the master is saying, okay, like, here's your name. Here you are. You're a professional. Now learn. The, the moment you got that name, you've received something much more precious than three years of house cleaning can return. So it's almost like, no, no, three years of house cleaning and carrying bags is the least you can do for what you are receiving from the master. Now, I'm not with my master for one hour, three times a week. I'm with my master from morning to night, every day for three years, no days off. A lot of it is menial chores. A lot of it is helping him. But every minute is learning. But how does doing menial chores help you become a better Rakugo ka? I don't see how you can become a Rakugo ka without doing that. The people learn stories and just do it. It's, just, it's different. It's an atmosphere. But it's not, it's not the fact of doing laundry that makes me a better Rakugo ka. My master, master allow, go up to like Bill Burr and say, will you give me like the Burr name? And allow me to perform like for 15 minutes in front of your shows for thousands of people. And you'll teach me stories and I'll use your material and you'll teach me history. And I can be with you from morning to night. And by the way, by the way, in exchange, I will clean your room for that three years and no money will be exchanged. Right. Oh, and also you'll pay me a, a few hundred dollars a month so that, you know, I, I can have some snacks and pay my rent and pay my, um, all my living expenses, pay all my food, and introduce me to your entire community. If you went, if you went to a Western famous comedian with the same deal, yeah, you'd be told where to go. Exactly. Like so, you, you, and anyone, me too. You look at it and say, like, what is what is cleaning the rooms have to do with being a better storyteller? It's not that. That's just such a minor part of it. It's like the least I can do for my master is this. And you're basically taught to read the atmosphere of your sure. master. So does, does this room need to be cleaned extra specially today because he has mm -hmm. a guest coming? Does, yeah. this, does he need tea now? Does he need this now? Everything we're taught, like, learn for three years, study how to read the mind of your master, and maybe when you get on stage, you'll be able to kind of mm -hmm. read the atmosphere of the audience. Okay. So it's very, it's directly related in, in those ways. Mm -hmm. But also... Is it a way of showing gratitude? It's not even. Sh it's not even showing. You're not even showing anything. It's just like expected. It's just like yeah. the river is running. You just got to be part of it. If you want to, yeah. if you want to get to the end of the river, you have to get in and just be part of that river. So it's not even. It's not even that. The other thing is, um, like the the master gets upset with you, like for little things. It's 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 not a fun existence for that three years. But one of my um, one of my dear older brother storytellers, Katsura Sankin, who actually he passed away earlier this year, a year younger than me. Wow. So I love this guy. He taught me so much. And when I was, during my apprenticeship, when my master was really getting on me, he said, he said, Sunshine, you're thinking of the apprenticeship in the wrong way. We as human beings, we want to aim for 100. 100% is best. We're trying to get to 100. When you are an apprentice, you have to aim for zero. There's nothing better than zero. If you do everything perfectly and nobody notices and nobody criticizes, that means you've been perfect. Yeah, being non-existent is the best you can achieve, which means you've cleaned the room perfectly, you've read the uh, atmosphere, you've done everything when it needs to be, and you've also not stood out in any way. Nice. Nobody hits zero. 
everybody's at some point of minus. So that's why every day of your apprenticeship, the master gets mad at you. But once you graduate from the apprenticeship, so, so the whole relationship changes. So just don't yeah. despair, right? That's fascinating. Yeah. And is it three years? It's um in Osaka, it's generally three years, but it's not exactly. It's, yeah. There's no date, so it could go. It could go closer to four. You just this is on the whim of the master. Sure. In Tokyo, it is closer to four years okay. generally, but yeah. it changes between masters and stuff like that. How many apprentices does a master have at one time? At one time, my master at the most has had four at one time. Uh, it's the tough, tough thing about the word apprentice is you're an apprentice for life. I'm my master's apprentice for life. But in, in apprenticeship, yes. apprentices in apprenticeship, yeah. so like with him every day and helping him, yeah. it would, it would, um, it'll be from what, between one and two at a time is pretty general. Yep. Three is quite a bit. My master, I think, had four at a time at times. And when I, you were an apprentice, how many others were there? I was, I was never alone. Thank God, because the more people there are, the more the more people to share the work, and the more people to share the blame right. for anything, which is the more important one. Yeah. Right? Was there ever competition among the apprentices to try to curry favor with the master? Yeah, you're trying to do your best. You're more with apprentices, it's less that, and more like a team. Like, okay, how do we get out of today without him like yeah. hitting the roof, basically. Sure. So um, it's more, you're more of a, it's it's the apprentice team versus the master, that kind of thing. Why did he make you bleach your hair blonde? It's really funny. And it brings us back to what we were talking about, which is Olgiri. When I became an apprentice, my master was doing, he does a a national tour of Japan every year. This theater is between 1,000 and 2,000 seats. Sold out three times a week. Boom. And he always has, he, he does like two or three stories, and he always has two or three apprentices also perform like short stories in his show. So he decided to do an ogiri, which is the Zabaton one, the, the show that you, okay, yeah. that you love, right? Yeah. Shoten, he does, he's going to host, and maybe three, four apprentices with him uh, are going to do the It's like the la- web game. last comic standing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he does it once every five years. He just decides to do that during the tour. He's always thinking of something different, right? Okay. And he thought, well, this is great. Like the first foreign Western apprentice in a hundred years yep. and he's mine i get yeah. to use it right like my master's thinking like this is great so we got to use you so here in the ogiri it's in the second half the curtain's down and we are all like five six of us are on the cushions and we're kneeling with our heads down like it's called dogeza right right which your head is down on your hands Almost basically touching the floor and touching the floor yeah and then the curtain comes up and everybody sees the everybody doing dogeza and they say, oh no, then now they know the ogiri yeah. is starting and they clap. And then as they're clapping on some kind of signal, every all of us get up. Now, 1,500 seat theater, 2,000 seat theater. My master said, with my hair color, which is not black, but very dark brown, okay. there's no impact. This, people in the back seats, we can't tell you're a foreigner. Genius. It's no fun. My master said, look, but he literally said to me, now that's the real reason, but he literally said to me, Sunshine, you don't look foreign enough, dye your hair. Okay. <laughs> and my like older brother story, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I think he looks foreign enough, okay? But yeah. but that's what he was, he, it was a total showbiz move. Sure. Because to see the line of heads in front of you and to see like a blonde one at the end, yeah. it's just like people are going to start laughing right away. Like, what the hell is this? Right? Yeah, that's genius. So that's, yeah, a total genius. Yeah. Total genius. It was a showbiz thing, yeah. but also it matches my name, Sunshine. Yep. And 
just became part of me. Like I, I can't even think of going back to yeah. my normal color anymore. I, That's yeah. cool. I, I, I love it, but I, I just thought it was so cool that he thought that far ahead. Yes. To yeah. how he's going to play me, how he's going to use me yeah. as part of that that kind of comedy yep. routine. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. It took some time for you to convince your master to accept you. Yeah. What was it that got him to change his mind? I don't know if it was so much changing his mind as much as uh, this is also this is also one of those questions that's not that's not black and white, it's not night and day. There's a lot of things that went into this. Number 1, I have to say, when I asked him to take me, I was 38 years old. Okay. If I was Japanese, he would have definitely said no. Basically, Rako, to start your apprenticeship, you're in your 20s. You're basically like, for, historically, you like you don't go to high school, you become an apprentice, right? Now, people graduate from university, become apprentices. Some work for a company a bit, 20s. 30s is pushing it. 38, at the time, I think I was the oldest person in the history of Osaka Rako to start. Like the oldest whenever when it started in history, right? Basically, so basically that was a point where, be not being Japanese, being a foreigner worked in my favor because I think my master is like, okay, this is a kind of an opportunity to spread Raku around the world, uh-huh. and so he took. That's one reason he took me, right? So, I I need to say that oh, my master didn't take me for eight months. That's part of the that's part of the narrative. I don't want to suggest that. He was like wondering and keeping me at bay because I was a foreigner. It's very much the opposite. The only reason he was considering me at that point was because I was a foreigner, because of my age. So that worked to my advantage. Now, the other thing is the three-year apprenticeship is extremely grueling. And my master wasn't quite sure if I knew what I was getting myself into. Mm -hmm. And, And so there's this period called Minarai where you just kind of hang out. You go when you want. Yep. And the master kind of gets to know you, and then they you you can both tell if you get along, and he can tell if if you're serious, and you kind of prove yourself. So I went to the recording of his famous show Shinkon San Yirashai, which yeah. is Newlyweds Welcome. Yeah, I went to that recording. I love that show. Yeah, it was a. He always falls out of the chair. Falls out of the chair. Yeah. yeah. So I just went. He said, "Come to anything I'm doing, but this is the easiest place to meet me and come in as much as you want." I went every week. Very. I was told by a professor friend of mine who was very knowledgeable of the Raku world. I said, you know, I'm going every week to the show, but I just feel like I'm staying in the hall. I'm not talking to him. I'm staying in the hall. I say the Aisatsu, I say hello, and I say goodbye, and that's about it. And sometimes I talk to him, but I feel like I'm in the way. Do you think I should be going every week? And this professor said, what does Master say to you at the end of the day? And I said, oh, he says, like, if you want, please come next week. And he said, you take that as an order. I don't care how sick you are. I don't care what you have to miss you to do. You go... And do not miss once because he's watching you. And that was actually, I think, very, very, very important and big advice. I didn't realize. Yeah. I couldn't imagine that, like, standing in the hallway and just being there was important. But now I know. It's obvious to me now. Wow. But at the time, I had no clue. I was like, oh, maybe I should go once a month. Maybe I'm, like, maybe I'm in the way. Like, of course, I'll go if, if I think it's good. But I didn't realize how important it was. Sure. So there's that. So I think going that faithfully for eight months, I think that was one thing you said, okay, okay. this guy's pretty serious. But however, I should say, um, the more maybe more in Tokyo, but this Minarai period, is not, it's not just because I was a foreigner. Right. Like that's lots of Japanese apprentices have that. Some of them have it for a year. They just go when they can. Um, another one of my... my uh, but did you ask him just once? Only and once. Then, only, only once. once. Okay. Only once. Yeah. Because... 
He didn't say no. So I can't bug him. He didn't say no. He didn't say no. He didn't say yes. So if I'm asking again, it's like, could you please decide a little bit more quickly? Gosh, there's, there's so this whole story has so much nuance. That's and it. So much subtlety to yeah, yeah. it. It's yeah. like I don't know if I'm in the way. He didn't say yes. He didn't say no. No, it's, it's so like, Japanese. It is. Like I thought, I could read the wind, read the air. Yeah. Kukyoyama. I yeah. thought, like after. 13, 14, 15 years in Japan, I was yeah. okay at it. Yes. When, once I became an apprentice, I realized, like, I didn't know the first thing. Like, the world just changed. Like, you know nothing. And that's that's just that. So you're right. So it's just, it's, there, are, there are so many shades. There's no, and there's no, it's just such a different way of thinking than we, we're yeah. used to, right, yeah. from the West. It's just a different, it's just, we're, we're, Playing in a different ballpark. It's yeah. just different. Yeah. No, when I We're first, skating on a different ice. <laughs> when, yeah. when I first came to Japan, I worked for a department store, a Japanese department store. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. was trained as a buyer. And I did so much menial work as a buyer. Yep. Stuff that when I was doing it at the time, I was thinking, why am I doing this? Yeah, why yeah. am I just swapping out one price tag for another, taking it off and putting it on for the sale? Why am I in this warehouse doing things that I, I know I'm, I was hired to do a certain task and they're making me do something else that's completely unrelated to what I was hired to do. Yeah. Why am I doing this? I, I was in charge of a, an apparel brand, an overseas apparel brand. Yeah. And the first day that the, the, the products that I bought, they came into Japan, they came into the store and my boss said to me, okay, dress the mannequins in what you bought. And he said, okay, for the first day, I want you to just stand off to the side and watch everybody, how they interact with the mannequins. Do they stop? Do they touch it? Do they feel it? Do they walk right past? Does anybody notice it? I was like, so I just have to stand and just watch this? And I did, probably two or three hours. And then we, in the afternoon we met, and then he said, so what did you learn? What did you see? What did you observe? And I told him what I did. And he said, what did you learn from that? And he said, okay, that was great. Good. That was a weekday. So I want you to do it again on Saturday and Sunday when there's more people. Yeah. And I want you to use the same. Or no, on Saturday, use the same outfit that you had. But then I want you to change it on Sunday and see what the difference is. And at the time... Outfits I, on the mannequins. On the mannequins, yeah, yes. Yeah, 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 so yeah, change okay. it up. And at the time, I thought this was torture. I thought he was just being uh, mean, or I think ijuwaru is is is, a, is a be, is a better word, but it, yeah, I mean, yeah. it would translate as being mean. But now, yeah, thirty years later, yeah, yeah. I relish that experience because my job now, I now have thirty eight retail stores of my own throughout yeah. Japan. Yeah, and so when I tell talk to my staff and I talk about visual merchandising, yeah. I talk about displays. Yeah, they know that I know what I'm talking about because yeah. I've had that experience. So yeah. it's it, there's something to be said about this, not suffering, but but learning through hardship. Yeah, 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 yeah. There is. Yeah, there is so much to learn in those experiences. So I, I'm apprenticing as a storyteller. So when, when are you going to teach me storytelling, right? right? It's like, slow down. Like, learn to stand there yeah, and say nothing for two hours until the master calls you. That's not easy. 
Nope. At the same time, the control, the bodily control it yep. takes and the mental discipline it takes to stand there for two hours sure. is 100% relatable to the different kinds of control you need when you're on your stage entertaining people. Excellent point. You would never think that at the time you're thinking like was there is this what i is this what i signed up for it's yeah. exactly you what you're saying is exactly right what's the thing most people are curious about when they first meet you and find out that you are a rakugo storyteller curious about and this is this is probably in the in the u.s not in japan because i would uh, imagine in the u.s okay yeah because yeah, yeah. there's two, two different reactions two different ball games yes first of all people that in the U.S. don't tend to know about Rakugo, so right. so then, so then let's let's say we're at a, a bar drinking together, and like, what? Why the hell are you in that kimono? And I was right. like, oh, this is what I'm doing. The first curious thing is like, hey, can you do like a little bit, right? And okay. that's that's all fun. Like, do you mind? But I say, I'll say like, uh, can I can I have two minutes of your time? I'll do it, but can I have two minutes of your time? Because at a bar, sometimes like. You'll break into your thing, and then suddenly, suddenly nobody's listening, so it right. sucks, right? Yes. I don't want to do that. But but if you can see, like, people are, like, mature adults still, at yeah. that, they're still at that stage <laughs> in their drinking. So, like, it's like, oh, yeah, if you got two minutes, I'll tell you, like, a traditional story. And it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, like, and then they'll gather a few people, and it's like, okay, here's sure. story of the kid with the long name or something like that. Yeah. And then, universally, they're like, this, this is... This is Hilarious! Like, when are you playing? I gotta go. I gotta go see it. The good thing about New York is that everybody's got this like antenna on for like they're doing their thing and they're doing it to the extreme. But everybody's also like got these antenna for what everybody else is doing. And when they're interested in something, they're yeah. uh, that's sincere. That's not just like they're not just talking. They're like, holy moly, that's cool. I'm gonna get some friends. We're gonna come to your show and let's have a drink after. That happens all the time. And I love that about New York is that just that kind of interest is just exploding in people's minds for anything. Like they're just looking for that yeah. next thing. So when that happens, for example, in Kyoto, the geisha, they have their business card is like a little sticker. I know, I know, yeah, yeah. So do Rakugo Ka, right? Yeah. Do, do you have a type of a meishi? We don't have anything. We just I have I have a business card for my business, but nothing, 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 nothing like that. Nothing special. We might put our uh, family crest, yeah, the, what do you call it, the kamon, on the on the meishi, but yeah. there's nothing particularly. Yeah, I noticed special. your your family crest. What what does that mean, or where does that come from? Is it's that- just a katsu. It's it's a representation of a flower, uh, the mitsugashiwa. Kashiwa is what flower? I can't remember what it is in English, yeah. but it's um. Yeah. I always forget the names in even in English of certain flowers and yeah. fish. And fish. I was just about to say that. It's yeah. So funny. Yeah. They're like, well, I know, I know tuna. That's a, yeah. I know ebi and and. Yeah. <laughs> well, the other thing is, you're eating. Why well, I'm eating fish with my Japanese friends, and they're like, "This is this." Yeah. Sometimes, what's that in English? Exactly. And I'll say, I don't know. And then you Google it, right? Yeah. And the name that comes up in English, like, we've never heard of that fish. <laughs> so it's not like, it's, it's like, I can tell you the English, but if yeah. you go to New York and say, I want this, yeah. nobody's going to understand what you're saying, even if you say it in English. Yeah. Probably the Japanese yeah, true. name of it is more understandable to people in New York than yeah. the... Uh, <laughs> but it probably sounds better, too. Yeah. I don't know what grouper yeah, grouper. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't I know what it is in, in Japanese, but yeah. grouper has to sound better in Japanese than it does in, in, oh, in English. Sure. There's, there's... <laughs> That's hilarious. Yellowtail sea something. And it's like... Yeah. I mean, the incredible thing is, like, Japanese people know exactly what... They could point out those fish in the supermarket. Yeah, and a sure. lot of them. It's like, holy smokes, the knowledge. I see, I see the rock. I thought they spent all their time learning kanji, but apparently they study fish as well. Yeah. <laughs> 
you know, we have a tradition in the West when we tell jokes. Yeah. They're kind of uh, risque, or we would call them dirty jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Rakugo, do you also have an adult version of yeah. Rakugo that's yeah. only for mature audiences only? Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. So this is a great question because most of Rakugo is very, very clean. Yeah. And we're taught. Family-oriented. Yeah, family-oriented. Don't, even in your own material, like the first part, when you're doing your own material, this kind of stand-up comedy stuff, don't talk about religion, don't talk about politics, don't talk about stuff that's going to divide your audience. You want to bring your audience together. You want people to come together, you want to make them one, make them like you, and want to hear your story. So everything serves the story. So that makes it very, very light and very clean, no bad language, none of that stuff. That's the normal Rakugo. That's so, my impression of Rakugo. So people yes. bring families, people with children all the time. Yep. However, there's something called Shimoneta, which yes. is just like, yeah. it's risque, it's sexual, it's it's all that. There are those stories. So you would advertise the fact that that's going to be happening so people don't bring their kids. You would make sure that people okay. knew that, you know, today's going to be a little bit of the adult show. Yeah. But there, there is definitely that stuff. Yeah. There's that part of it. Not often, but the, that, that, that repertoire exists. Mm-hmm. When I was on Broadway... My my thing is I did a dif- I did different stories every month is what that was promising pick the theme every month so when I opened it was just one of my master stories and one traditional story that was the opening month and a half but then September October November um, November was I did a ghost story and usually you do a ghost story in Japan you do it in the summer right. because people get a little bit scared and they right. get goosebumps obon yeah. But then they get goosebumps and that cools them off. It was like storytelling air conditioning for the Edo period. That's part of it. Yeah. That's the thinking of doing ghost stories in in the summer. However, for us, like November is right after Halloween. It's starting to get dark. There's all kinds of reasons to do ghost stories in November. Exactly. So I just like, I did that. December, because going into the holidays, did the family show. So I particularly did uh, stories that kids would like. Yeah. So January, in response, I did the adult show. That... The adult show is not even that. It's not even that risque. It's not, I mean, it's Rakugo, so it's not even that bad. But it is a little bit of like a lot, like drinking, gambling, womanizing, that kind of thing, like right. cheating on the husband, that kind of thing. Yep. Oh, that like that really went over well. <laughs> and then the funny thing is, there's this Japanese family who I knew from Washington D.C. Well, I performed in Washington D.C. and they had come all the way from Washington D.C. to the show in New York for the adult show. And so I saw them before the show and because I was walking through the lobby of the theater to, to come in and right. said, do you remember us? I said, yeah, yeah, oh. And it's father, mother, I think the father and mother probably even younger than me but or my age and their daughter who's, the daughter, I don't know if she was maybe 11 or 12 but she looked seven, okay? So I'm like, I'm like <laughs> hey, oh, you're running by your daughter. Oh, thanks for coming again. Hey, how, how old are you now? And she said like 11. I said, oh, 11. Oh, okay, maybe not that bad. But I was like, this is the, I wanted to make sure they're not going to be offended, right? Yeah. I was like, this is, I'm kind of doing the adult show this month. I mean, it's not that bad, but it's just, I don't yeah. know, like, it's okay. And father, it's a Japanese family living in Washington, D.C., right? Yeah. The father looks me in the eyes and said, we brought our daughter today to explain the jokes to us. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. This fine. This family's fine, right? <laughs> She's yeah. on the internet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, they're, I, you know, it's that kind of thing. So, there's no restriction. It's not R rated. 
PG-13. PG-13, maybe. Yeah. You mentioned earlier about the two-minute Rakugo story. What's the two-minute? Oh, yeah. When you're in the bars yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in New York. Yeah. You said there's a, a certain story you had about the kids. The kid with the long name. Shall the I do a little bit of name. a story for... Would you mind doing a two a quick two-minute you know, Rakugo story about the kid with the Anybody who's name. listened to this point in our podcast deserves a story. Sure, yeah, yeah, I'll do a little bit of a story. All right, go for it, brother. Once upon a time, there was a little boy with a very long name. His name was Jugemu Jugemu Gokono Sudikire Kaijari Suigira. Sungyomatsu Ungyomatsu Hurai Matsuku Neru Tokoro Nisumu Tokoro Yabura Koji Bura Koji Pai Po Pai Po Pai Po no Shuriga Shuriga no Gurindai Gurina no Pompoko Pino Pompoko Nano Chokume no Chosuke. It was a very long name. One day, his neighbor, a little boy named Kinchan, a relatively shorter name, came to pick him up for school. And Kinchan said, Let's go to school. And Jugemu's mother came out and said, Arama Kinchan, you're so kind. But our Jugemu, Jugemu, go kono surikire kaijari singyo no singyo matsu unge matsu hurai matsu kuneru tokoro ni sumu tokoro yabura koji bura koji paibo 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 no shuninga shuninga no gurinda gurinda no pompokopi no pompokona no chokyume no chosuke is sleeping. Wait here, wait here. I'll wake him up. Hey, hey. Wake up! Kinchan is here to pick you up. I'm sorry, Kinchan. I'm sorry, Kinchan. Please wait, please wait. Chicken, 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 Dude, that was sweet. Cheers. Cheers. Wow. That's Rakugo in a nutshell. Oh. Took me a long na- long time to memorize that name. I was going to say, when you first said that, I was like, he's just making that up. You and know then, what? Yeah. And then you said it the second time, and I caught all the, the same name parts. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. I'll tell you this. It's a way easier to memorize something like that than to make it up. Like, it's yeah. way easier to just write it down, memorize it, then you have it for life. Is that an old... Traditional That's a story? very, very traditional, yeah. Very famous, very traditional story, yeah. Okay. And I like how it starts slow, yeah. and each time you say it, it gets faster and faster. And the yeah. last one, That's quite, it yeah, said the name it. that sounds exactly like the bells of the school. That's what it is, yeah. Yes. That's great. Yeah. So much fun. Well, you are so much fun. Ah, thank you so much, yeah. And thank you so much for taking time today. Yeah, not at all. I had a great time. Yeah. Pleasure to meet you. Domo arigatouzaimashita. And uh, good luck in New York and around Cheers. the world. Cheers. Yeah. Let's keep in touch. <laughs> you got it. Katsura Sunshine. Thank you very much. Thank you. 
And that, my friends, was Master Rakugo Storyteller Katsura Sunshine. To learn more about Rakugo and Katsura Sunshine, visit his site at rakugo.lol. He also has numerous Rakugo performances and information on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Just search Katsura Sunshine and get ready to be entertained. Thank you for listening to this Now and Zen episode. If you enjoyed it, please feel free to share with others and don't forget to leave a comment or positive star rating on iTunes. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.